0: to the one who removed my filthy garments. Oh, praise to the one who took my iniquity away. Oh, praise to the one who clothed me in pure vestments. Nothing else He needs to do. Oh, thank God there's a lot more He does do. But there's nothing else He needs to do to deserve a church that stands in His presence and gives Him glory. Amen. Amen, church. So good to be in church with you today. I love the Word of God. I love it. It's awesome. You need to read your Bibles. I don't want to hear another Christian come to me and say, I'm just not hearing from God right now when they're not reading their Bibles. Right? Right? Like we want, like, hey, listen, God is still speaking. God is still speaking. The bush is still burning. God is still speaking. But God also has spoken. And there's no point in your life when there's a Bible on your shelf that we can say, God's not speaking to me. Because He has spoken. And as you read the Word of God, it's like rivers of living water washing over your soul. Hallelujah. If you're new to eternity, I just want to say welcome to church today. I'm glad that you're here. I want to say welcome to everyone in Owine and in Audubon and everyone online as well. We really are glad that you're joining us today. Um, if you're new, my name is Jesse. I'm the lead pastor here. Super glad that you're here got a sermon that I'm going to preach today that um, um, I discovered last night as I was preaching it, just felt a little harsher than I thought when I was writing it, but (laughs) so we'll soften it a little bit, although while I thought that, but then Amanda told me not to, so she said just bring it the same as she did last night, and I was like, all right, well giddy up. You know, I didn't ask a dude. It wasn't a dude that said, nah, it was fine, you know. When you ask a dude, was that too harsh? And they're like, nah, it's fine. That's not the right gender to ask. <laughs> it's the other one that you got to ask. The, the girls. And she said, get after it. And I'm like, giddy up. We'll do that then. So, so we're gonna. Next week, um, we've got an exciting update on our bold building campaign that you don't want to miss. Um, you may have noticed that we did not do an on-ramp earlier this year. An on-ramp, what's an on-ramp? It's another opportunity for us to talk to you and sh- and to, to sow vision and talk to you about why you, if you have not yet, need to get on board and sow your finances into our bold building campaign. And we didn't do that uh, earlier this year. Uh, and the reason for that was because the Lord started speaking to us about some significant um, changes uh, and some, some significant uh, developments that we need to do. We are still going to create more space don't worry about that um, but um, but next week we want to share with you um, some really exciting updates on our bold building campaign you don't want to miss that All right? uh, I've got a great sermon as well that I'm excited uh, to, to, to share with you um, And um, but then um, but yeah then we're going to share some of that and we just didn't want to do a big update earlier in the year and uh, when we couldn't really give more details you know we want to be Uh, clearer and more transparent than that okay and so um so anyway so next weekend is the week um excited about that today's missions mission sunday mission sunday come on that's exciting isn't it um go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe to obey to carefully watch over All that I have commanded you. That word observe um, is actually, uh, it would be a word that they would also, the prison guards would use for prisoners. We are observing the prisoners, or I can't remember what the Greek word was there, but, but it's the same word to make sure that it doesn't get away. In other words, we're going to watch over everything God commanded in our lives with such an eye that it will not escape us. That we're going to keep that, right? to observe all that I've commanded, to obey, to keep watch over. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the day. So before I get to my message today and before I read my main scripture, and if you're new, we do tend to stay standing till I've read the main scripture. Um, I just want to encourage you to take a look in the lobby uh, after church uh, at all the work that we as a church are doing around the world, <clears throat> here, there and everywhere. Um, things we're doing here in Des Moines, things we're doing um in the united states and things we're doing around the world you can go and check out the missions trips that our church has been on in the last year and the ones coming up as well uh, so please go have a good look uh, and start giving to missions because uh, we are the richest country in the world and so we have an obligation to help resource the work of the ministry around the world <laughs> amen and so as a church we already send a portion of our general fund anyway to missions around the world, right? But as an individual, we want you to go and help be a part of that by going to, uh, by signing up, whether it's five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, a million bucks a month. I don't know your situation, and so, but whatever it is, um, just to go above your tithes, maybe even above your building campaign contributions let's give to missions too. Amen. Would you turn with me to Mark chapter 6? Mark chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 6. While you're going there, I want to share something with you. Uh, when I was reading Matthew 28, 19 um, yesterday, and I was preparing my, uh, my just praying for this, um, I couldn't help but wonder if this is a scripture that most of us have heard hundreds of sermons on and have become somewhat familiar with and perhaps it's become a little mundane. And So it was my prayer that when we read it, that when we hear Scripture, that we never take it for granted, that we always expect to see, hear, or feel the power of God through His work, right? Whether we've heard it before or not. And as I was praying and thinking about that, I felt the Lord lead me to Mark chapter 6 and the story of Jesus visiting His hometown, okay? And um, then I just... You know, again, I'd prepared another sermon called Missio Dei, which is um, or Dei, which is Latin for the mission of God or the sending of God, and I was going to share that today, um, but at about 11 a.m. yesterday, I texted um, Stephanie and said, hey, here's actually the new title of my sermon, and I'm writing a new sermon now, so let's pray, get it done before church on Saturday night, and so I did it's not that God wasted my time for the two days before that. It was that He used that to get me where He needed me for this message. Right? And uh, so this one is definitely nowhere near as um, polished as Mishio Dei would have been. But it's the message that His church needs to hear today. Okay? So Mark chapter 6 verse 1 to 6, if you've got your Bibles. Uh, it says, He, Jesus, He went away from there and came to His hometown. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is his wisdom given him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? See, they've been hearing, they've heard about the mighty works that had been happening. How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him, and they took offence at Jesus. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, no mighty work there, except lay hands on a few of the sick, and they were healed. And he marvelled because of their unbelief. Someone say, he marvelled. says that he marvelled because their unbelief, Then he went about among the other villages teaching. So today I want to speak to you about the miracle that was not. The miracle that was not. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege it is to stand on a stage in your house talking to your people about you. I pray that you help me to preach this word with more than some skill or more than some preparation and more than persuasion, um, but just clearly articulating the truth of this passage. God, what is it that we need to see in this? Why is it in Scripture? And I pray that you help me to share the truth that is found here, not just my opinion or preference, but the truth of your Word. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, the miracle that was not. The miracle that was not is the title of my sermon. Um, The miracle that could have been, the miracle that would have been, the miracle that did not happen, the miracle that was not. The miracle that was not. Uh, The people in Jesus' hometown knew who Jesus was. They knew where he came from. They even saw him teaching with exceptional wisdom. And still they grumbled. And they did not believe in him. Uh, So much so that Jesus marveled. It said that Jesus marveled at their unbelief. Uh, Did you know there are only two times in the entirety of the word of God that we see God marveling about anything? That we see God, in other translations would say, amazed. Amazed. About anything. Both amazed and marveled are the most accurate words that you could use to describe what really was a sentence, but trying to get it into one word would be amazed, marveled. Uh, Jesus was looking at two situations, and those situations marveled him, amazed him. Both times it was a faith related event that marveled him. One time he was amazed by the centurion soldier and then the other time was the passage we just read in his hometown. The centurion soldier's incredible faith was displayed in Luke chapter seven. If you can go there, Luke chapter seven, verse seven to nine. As you head there, I wanna explain it to you for a second, all right? The centurion, had a, the centurion soldier had a servant who was terribly ill. You may have heard the song, right? Um, Jesus said that he'd come excuse me, and see the servant. But then the centurion soldier replied, uh, "Replied, just say the word and let my servant be healed. Verse eight, for I too, for I also, I am a man who is set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go and he goes and another, come and he comes and to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he Marveled at him. He was amazed by him. And turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you that not even in Israel have I seen faith such as this. The centurion said, I too am a man under authority. I also am. I am like that. I recognize, I am familiar with authority. Okay? I'm familiar with the concept of authority. And because I'm familiar with authority, I'm familiar with the authority that you have. And I know that if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. Okay? So the two times that we see Jesus marvelling in Scripture, the two times that we see God amazed at a human or At humanity in scripture both times are with regard to faith that came as a response to some level of familiarity the centurion's familiarity with authority and understanding of who Jesus is, who is Jesus well all authority on heaven and earth is given to Jesus yet he was still under authority by choosing only to do and to say that which the father gives him to do and to say Somehow the centurion soldier recognised this, was familiar with this and he he got it somehow. Familiar with the concept in his own life, his faith then elevated to such a level that Jesus was amazed, absolutely amazed. When you amaze God, you might get to see amazing things happen from God. The centurion saw the servant healed because of his faith and because his faith amazed Jesus. When you live a life of amazing faith, you might get to be blessed and you might get to be a blessing to those around you. On the contrast though, when you have amazing faith, you might not be blessed and you might actually rob those around you of the blessings that could have came into their lives. Look at Jesus' hometown experience. The hometown folks who also had a level of familiarity that they then allowed to produce a mundane kind of ambivalence to the Son of God. This is the carpenter. We're familiar with him. This is Mary, Joseph's son. We've been to his house. It's not that special, really. That level of familiarity they had had actually lowered their faith to a level that also amazed Jesus. They were both amazing. They both had an amazing faith, didn't they? Right? And the word used to record how Jesus felt is the exact same word in each story. The word is mason. It's where the word amazing might have some sort of root in, Mason, at the end there, Ethav Mason, right? This is the exact same word that we see in Luke and in uh, and in Mark, okay? So both of the writers use the same word to describe a negative experience and a positive experience. Why? Can we put the first meaning up there? Because it's like how I can be amazed at how, I'm amazed that they're such a moron, or I'm amazed at how good that was, right? <laughs> the first one is... To be extraordinarily impressed, okay? The next one is uh, to be very disturbed by. That's what that word means. It can mean either one, depending on the context and the sentence that it's used in, right? Now, the best translation, just leave that up for a little bit. Um, On the one hand, Jesus was extraordinarily impressed. And then on the other hand, he was just so disturbed by their lack of faith. Amazed is probably the closest single word that we can use in English to project what is being said. But if you can spare a whole sentence, and the Bible would be about about 50 to 60 times bigger if we had to take every Greek word and make an entire sentence, right? But if, if, amazed is good, but if you could spare a sentence, I am so disturbed by you, or I am so impressed by you, is even better. So you can amaze God and see no miracles because He's so disturbed by your lack of faith or you can amaze God and see mighty miracles because He's just so extraordinarily impressed with your great faith. You can be so familiar with God that He is disgusted by your faith or you can be so familiar with God That he's impressed by your faith. So the question is, that we need to ask ourselves, what is familiarity breeding in our lives? And what is familiarity breeding in our faith? The hometown folks, they'd been around him. They'd heard the stories. They'd known him when he was younger. They might have even been to his house. But they didn't expect him to be able to or to do anything mighty among them because Jesus was just so mundane to them. And I wonder how are we amazing Jesus right now? How are you amazing Jesus right now? Are you amazing Jesus because he's just so extraordinarily impressed With your great faith? Or are you amazing Jesus because he's just so disgusted by your lack of faith? Has Jesus become mundane to you? Has Jesus become mundane to me? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Has Jesus become just a part of the rhythm? Just something that's in my life. In his house, mundane to you now. Is his word mundane to you now? Are his people mundane to you now? Has that which used to amaze you now just become mundane in your life? Like you used to love his word and you'd sit there and you'd read it and you'd read it and you'd let the water of the word wash over you. But now it's a bit like, well, I did the Bible in 365 days, so I've been there and I've done that. Used to love speaking in tongues, but now you're like, oh, meh. When it first happened, you're like, I can't believe it's happening. I did it. I finally, I've been asking God for this gift. And now, meh. it's just speaking in tongues. It's amazing how exciting things can become so mundane in our lives. If we let them, right? Let me show you what I mean. I don't know if you know this, but let me just check. Hands up if you've been coming to this church for more than two years. Give me a wave, right? More than two years. All right, cool, 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 cool. Not surprised at all in this service. All right, now, so, all right, hands up if you've been coming less than two years. Give me a wave, right? Okay, for those who, are, who have been here for more than two years, I just, I don't know if you know this, but I'm Australian. <laughs> I know, I know, crazy, right? Um, I'm Australian. Now, almost every week, and when I say almost every week, I mean like literally almost every single week of my life now, two things will happen and usually two things in one day. Somebody like Jenna will say to me, you've really lost your accent. (laughs) Right? You've really lost your accent. And then in the exact same week, usually the exact same day, I will meet somebody new. And upon meeting me, they will say, wow, I could barely understand you. It's amazing how thick your accent is after living here for 12 years. (laughs) Same day, same dude, I don't have a robot clone, it's just me. So what's the difference between Jenna and all the new people I meet? The difference is familiarity. What was once intriguing is barely noticed. I'll still sit at a cafe now and I'll just be having a conversation with Doug or somebody else and without fail every single time someone somewhere else near me in the cafe is going to be going like this. Still 12 years deep while I'm sitting there talking to Doug who's forgotten I'm Australian. Why? They're familiar with me now. My accent's still there. I'm still Australian, I promise. I may not be proud of that, but I am still Australian. I absolutely am. I am an American citizen, so don't get worried, alright? I'm staying here. If America and Australia go to war, I'm on your side, okay? For two reasons. Number one, this is home. I love this place. God called me here, here forever. Number two, just... I know how to pick a winner, right? Like, Australia's not going to win that war, all right? Like, if we just send, like, just 20% of our population with no military training, we will wipe out Australia in eight minutes, all right? Like, everybody's got guns here, you know, we will win. Same for me with many of you, though. For many of you, I don't even notice your accent anymore. You know, you still are a redneck... But I don't notice it anymore because we've gotten familiar with each other. I wonder if Jesus has lost his accent in your life. Just familiar now. I'm used to hearing from him, I'm used to him talking to me, I'm used to reading his word. And you used to, when he spoke, you'd be like, That sounds interesting. And now you're like, Meh, milk. You know what I'm saying? You ever get in the shower after your wife or husband's been in the shower married people? You ever just get in and just like, oh my goodness. It's just hot as Hades in there. Anyone else? Like, come on, anybody else? Give me a wave. It's not too intimate, is it? Like, it's just a normal thing. You do shower, right? Yeah, good, 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 good. Like, you get in and you start to question the spiritual allegiance of your wife because it's so hot in there. You're like, only a demon could live in this environment. There's just no way that a human person who loves Jesus could survive in temperatures this hot. (laughs) Come on, anybody else, give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about right now. So what do you do? You turn it down. Well, they're just like, well, this sucks now, and they leave, and you're stuck in there, and you're like, all right, I'm going to have a shower. And what happens two minutes later? You turn it up. What happens two minutes after that? You turn it up again. A minute later, you... Turn it up again. And before you know it, it's as hot as it was when you complained. It was just as hot at the end, but you don't notice it anymore. Because you're now familiar with it. Your body's adjusted to the temperature. Same as a hot tub, right? You get in the hot tub at the gym, and you're like, I am surprised my skin did not boil off me. Right? Come on. And within two minutes... This hot tub sucks, and someone needs to adjust the temperature, right? So what do you do? You get out, and you're like, I'm going to go do a snow angel just to get cold again. And then you run, and you jump back in, and you're like, glory. Love it, right? It's unreal. I do do that. I have run out into the snow to do snow angels so that I can jump back in a hot tub and feel feel that new hotness again, right? This is how people become alcoholics. This is how people become alcoholics. They may have got a little bit buzzed from that first glass, but their body gets familiar. Now they need two to get that buzz. And then their body gets familiar. Now they need three, and then their body gets familiar. Then four, then five, then six then seven to get the feeling that they think that they need. Because that that used to be exciting has become mundane and so we try to fill that mundane with malls or other things. The warning from the passage is don't let familiarity breed in you a mundane faith. Don't let getting used to the goodness of God Read complacency in you. The next step after mundane and complacency is when you begin to look at the blessings of God as a burden in your life. If you don't deal with this mundane complacency kind of attitude, you will end up viewing the goodness of God as a burden in your life. I wonder what miracles never happened because the people in Jesus' hometown viewed Him as mundane. How many sick people? died in that town because of familiarity. I wonder how many women, like the women at the well, missed out on healing because of familiarity. How many blind men died blind? How many poor people remained poor? How many daughters and sons died? How many marriages failed? How many people remained demon-possessed? How many people went to hell because of their familiarity? How many people around them missed out on miracles because of their familiarity? And I wonder what you might be missing out on if familiarity has bred a mundane faith in you, in the church. We get to stand together and worship the Lord together in spirit and in truth, and it's glorious and it's wonderful and it's exciting. when people come here, they don't usually just immediately comment about the incredible skill of the musicians. Usually they talk about the power they felt in the presence of God when they worship at Eternity Church. And they love it and it's exciting and they love that we get to stand together and freely worship God. See, 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 we get to do something that before the curtain was torn, we, we didn't get. We used to have to send a priest in and he had to go through rituals to get there. But now we can stand in the presence of God and worship him together. And I wonder if that privilege has become mundane. Do we take it for granted now? We used to be like, I can't believe I get to worship God. Like, shut up, (laughs) Jesse. Right? I used to love coming to church, and now maybe I'll come every couple of weeks. It's become mundane, this privilege. So I'll come every couple of weeks. Maybe if the kids don't have sport, I'll come. We have three services, sport or not, you can find a way, just FYI. Pastor, sports matters too. Not if your kid goes to hell, it doesn't. Congrats, they're going to throw baseballs with the devil. That was harsh, wasn't it? Told you. I didn't even say that last night. Sports are great. They're good for kids. But not compared to faith. Not compared to treating the house of God like it's mundane and doesn't matter. You'll find a way. You'll find a way to get your family in church. Maybe you'll miss one every now and then, better than to come every now and then. Mundane. Things that were exciting becoming so mundane. Souls being saved every week. Imagine if salvations became mundane. Last night we had, I think, 12 people give their lives to Christ. Awesome, right? Fabulous. So, right? Unreal. Last week, 31. Imagine if seeing people give their lives to Christ, which without, if they don't do that, they go to hell. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. He's the only way. You cannot get to heaven unless through him. Without that, they go to hell. Imagine... Remember when you first came to Eternity Church? You know, like, I love that every single week people give their lives to Christ. Imagine if that became so mundane that if during the salvation altar call you're like, the moment they close their eyes, we're leaving. We've got to get up and go, we've got places to be. Imagine if salvation, souls being saved, become some, so mundane to you, something that many churches see once every 10 years. But in our heart, something so good has become so common that we just, I don't need to watch five more. I've seen this before. You might say, well, they can't see me. I waited till their eyes closed. That's true. But you didn't get to see them. You didn't get to rejoice. I just picture it like if um, if the angels in heavens were, in heaven were like um, like some church services in America. Someone gives their lives to Christ, and the angels are like, "Seen it. I've seen this movie." <laughs> right? Go back to the start. Missions. I mentioned missions at the start. We support Ruth Harbour. They look after pregnant women. Without it, these pregnant women would most likely have an abortion. So we support Ruth Harbour. And many, 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 many mums have kept their babies, come to faith in Jesus Christ and done the right thing. So go read about it afterwards. So go have a look in the lobby and talk about it. The video was on. Man, women choosing life over death is not mundane. It should still be exciting. Writing checks to Ruth Arbour every week should still be exciting. Amen. Pregnant women finding freedom is not mundane. We support a church in Guatemala. Sean and Rob went and saw it with their own eyes we also through that church help finance a center for trafficked women through that church and it's not mundane it's still exciting we are going into all the world amen and preaching the gospel we're ministering to muslims in the arab world it's it's familiar we've been doing it for a while we send thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars there every single year it's familiar we're used to it we're used to them we've with them for a long time, but but though it's familiar, it's not even close to mundane, it's amazing, it's incredible. Church, the Great Commission is not mundane to us. This same sort of familiarity can creep into a marriage. Remember when you were just so pumped standing in that altar? I get to marry this girl. Come on, this is so good. 12 years later. Like, I've, I wanted to be married since I was young. I wanted a wife since I was a very young man. And I know that's a very female desire as a young person, to want to get married one day, dream about it. I used to dream about my pretty dress. I didn't really. I'm kidding. <laughs> we ain't that church, all right? Um... The Bible says men should never dress like women at all. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I used to dream about it. Why? No, not because I was some weird kid. Like boys don't. No, because my family was so jacked up. I was like, Lord, I, 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 I want something better. And I'd imagine it and I'd think about it and I'd pray about it. Lord, I want something better than what I grew up in. And I'm going to stay married to her. And so I dreamed about it and I'd prayed about having a wife beautiful blonde wife and what's amazing is I got one. It's amazing though how something you prayed about forever can one day become a little bit mundane. Oh yeah, waking up next to her a few thousand times. Do you hear what I'm saying? In your marriage, has your spouse become mundane? Just, oh yeah, excitement's a little bit gone, got a bit familiar Familiar is okay. doesn't have to make it mundane. Familiar can make it amazing or amazing. How bad it is. At the end of the service, we're going to open the front for prayer. and Some of you need to come down. Because in your marriage, you've let a gift of God become mundane. Ladies, if your husbands come down the front today, they may come for any number of reasons. Don't be like just assuming that he thinks you're mundane now. You know? <laughs> You know you'll do it. You know if your husband comes down to deal with, like he wants healing in his left hip or something, when he gets back, you're going to be like, I'm mundane, am I? (laughs) You know, like, don't, all right? Ladies, you know I'm telling the truth right now. That's where you will roll, so don't, all right? There's only a number of things people can come and get prayer for. But I wonder how many miracles we might be missing out on because we've begun to treat the familiar with mundane ambivalence. This is what Scripture's warning us about in Revelation 2.4. He says, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. What's he saying? He goes through, he's like, I love that you don't tolerate wickedness. And by the way, we're all like, no, we're a tolerant church. Can I let you know we are not a tolerant church? We will never be a tolerant church. We will have mercy for the things we don't tolerate and grace to help you find a better way to live. But we don't tolerate well, you ain't going to be in here going like, I'm just going to kill somebody. We don't tolerate that. You hear what I'm saying? And God speaks to a church like ours and he says, I love that you don't tolerate wickedness. I love that you call out what they're doing over there as wrong and evil and ungodly. I love that you do that. But do have this against you? You forgot your first love. You've abandoned the exactly you' have abandoned the love that you had at first you let familiarity with me allow you to cause sorry allow you to treat me as something mundane in your lives. Church is time to believe again to have faith again to come to church expecting to meet with God to pray for miracles to stop taking the word of God for granted amen this isn't just one passage that talks about this it's there it's also Be like little children again. It's also, if we're lukewarm, we get spat out of his mouth. It's also, have you abandoned your first love? It's time to be like, to believe like little children again. To marvel like them again. To trust him like them again. Before Jesus, family and faith become a chore in our lives. Can I tell you that if we don't tell anyone about Jesus anymore, if we don't tell anyone about his word, about his ways, about his work, if we don't tell anyone about his grace and his love and that his ways are better than our ways, if we don't tell anyone about Jesus anymore, that means he's become mundane. Don't meet with someone who just got married within the last month or two. You will only be talking about the fact that they just got married within the last month or two. Simple solutions to mundane faith as we get ready to close this service. Firstly, spend more time with Jesus. Get more familiar with him. If you've got a mundane faith, spend more time with Jesus. And allow that familiarity that you breed to elevate your faith to the level that gets you asking again, that gets you asking for more, that gets you asking for miracles, that gets you asking for healing, that gets you asking for people to be saved, that gets you asking again. Because the more you get to know Him, the more time you continue to spend with Him, not used to, but the more time you continue to spend with Him, the more you'll believe in what He is, sorry, who He is and what He can do. The hometown folks used to know Jesus, but weren't interested in knowing Jesus. Spend more time becoming familiar with who he is and what he wants to do in you, through you, and around you. But the second thing you ought to do if your faith has become a bit mundane, if Jesus has become a bit mundane in your life, the second thing that you ought to do is watch other people jump in the hot tub again. Watch people jump in the hot water again. And that will remind you how good God has been to you. It will remind you how good God is. When you see their faces like, whoa, whoa it's hot in here. You're going to be like, whoa. I remember when I used to feel like that. I remember when I first jumped in this hot tub. The scalding hot water. It'll remind you that you were amazed at the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the power of God to change your life. Because look where you are now. God has been so good to you that hot water just feels normal now. God has been so good to you that hot water even feels cold now. How good must God have been to you if that same hotness just feels normal, average what I live in. How good is God? He's been so good to me that I'm here complaining that my church's coffee is too strong. Which by the way, there's no such thing as coffee that's too strong. There's only such thing as people that are too soft. That's all there is. Don't you look at me like I'm addicted to coffee. I'm not addicted to coffee. I just need it to function, all right? If I don't have it, I'm grumpy, mean, arrogant, nasty, and just, you know, ill-tempered. I just need it, that's all. How good has God been when you've got space to complain about coffee? How good has God been to me that I'm here complaining that my church's music is, was too loud this week. How good has God been to me that I'm here complaining about the growth and having to sit too close to someone who smells a little bit? Wow, I got, I got so familiar with the truth being preached and with souls being saved every week that I've started to focus on the decibels instead of the worship and the body odour instead of the fellowship. And I say, Lord, throw a bucket of ice water on me, please. Lord, show me where the snow is for a second so I can appreciate the fire. So the question is, has the goodness of God become mundane in your life? If it has, I want to offer you an opportunity in a moment to come down the front and ask God to throw a bucket of cold water on you for a second so that you can walk back into His presence and be like, Whoa! It's good in here. Wow! I forgot how good it is here. I forgot how good his presence is. Wow! I forgot how great his word is. Wow! I forgot that I prayed for this woman in my life. That she is an answer to prayer. We're going to open the front for prayer in a moment. And if the Lord is speaking to you, if there's some mundane faith, if familiarity has produced a mundane ambivalence in your life, I'm going to ask you to come down the front. We're going to pray for you. That God would light that fire again. That He would help you to fall back into the first love that you have, that you wouldn't be lukewarm anymore, that, that you would have a childlike faith, that familiarity would breed great faith instead of low faith. Amen. And you'll start asking God to do more. You'll start coming to the Lord when you need a miracle. Amen. When you start appreciating what He has done and how good it is right now. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.